Hello everybody, welcome once again. It's really good to see you. Always, always such a pleasure to see you. So good to see you. So good to be in the presence of God and under his word. His word is wisdom, it is power. And when we put it to use, yeah, we are different. So it's really good to see you. Last week was amazing as we talked about how God promotes us and how to be faithful at our workplaces. I know that you've gone ahead and made some changes and you're going to continue and you will see the grace of God on display as you continue to obey his word. As we get into the word today, why don't we just stop and give thanks to God and also welcome Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, into our environments. They are present with us, but we recognize their presence, like how you welcome a guest who is in your home and say, you're welcome. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you into every home, every library, every train, every taxi, every car, every office, every bathroom, wherever, on the road, wherever people are, Lord, today, we thank you that you're present with us. We thank you for your word. Your word is power. Your word is light. Your word is life. The entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you. Speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us, O oh God. Let us really, really, really hear your voice and follow you. Lord, may you change something in our lives today as we hear your word. Beyond what we are hearing with our ears, O oh God, may our spirit man be strengthened and may we enter the much mores of God. We thank you, O oh God, that, you, that we are among the people in our generation that are going to change things, that are going to define things, that are going to be a sign of your glory and your wonder, that, Lord, we are your children, we are for signs and wonders. Oh, yes, Lord, we thank you that we will be among the ones who do radical things in our generation, that we will not be forgotten, O oh God, that in our families we will be a remnant, that, Lord, in our generation, we will be signposts that lead people to you, O oh God. Not in every continent, Lord, across the world, Father, raise them up, sons and daughters, men and women of valor, Joshua's, O oh God, in our generation. Why don't you go ahead and take a moment and just dedicate your life. I know that every day is a moment for us to say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I am weak, but you're strong. Your grace is sufficient. Make me a vessel, O oh God, a vessel of honor in your house, Lord Jesus. Use me, O oh God. Use my gifts and abilities. Actually, your gifts and abilities invested in me, O oh God, they are not mine. They are yours, O oh God. Use them for your glory, King of glory. Lord, show me the areas where... I am lacking, where I am slack, where I am lazy, where I am not following you as hard as I should, oh God, and lead us back on the path, oh Lord. Father, teach us to make sacrifices. Lord, teach us to be willing to lay down our small life and our small dreams to embrace your big dream, oh God, that we will be true partners, oh God, in the kingdom. Thank you, King of glory. Thank you, Lord. Make us a light, oh God. We are the light where you've placed us. Father, may our light shine bright. May we be the salt of the earth. May we preserve our generation. Lord, where wickedness has increased may we increase as well lord in our strength to serve you oh father we thank you lord not by might or by power but by your spirit oh god i pray for every person those who are discouraged those who have questions lord those who are between crossroads those who need to make the very difficult but important decisions father you are our strength you are our guide you say if we lack wisdom we ask you who gives generously and graciously to all without finding fault lord we thank you for wisdom lord we thank you that none shall be lost oh god 
God, those who are under the sound of my voice, O oh Father, that none will be lost, King of glory, even those who have gone off the, the right path, Lord, that you redirect our path. For a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. The Lord will rise again from our mistakes, from our failings, from the things we've done that we are even ashamed of. Father, that we will rise again. Lord, that we will rise again, King of glory. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you, Father. You are for us and not against us. Thank you that we are the generation that is changing and advancing your kingdom like never before. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, someone, you are at crossroads. You know the decision you should take. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Make the right choice. Make the God choice. There is never a loss in serving God. Never ever a loss. God is calling us to a life of sacrifice. Because sacrifice produces power. The greatest sacrifice was the sacrifice of Jesus. When he laid down his life for you and I. And up to now it's producing sons and daughters. It's producing power. Power in our relationships. Power in our bodies. Power in our workplaces power in every area of our lives because a man laid down his life for his friends he gave up all his glory in heaven came and lived in the flesh like a man and then died what are you unwilling to give up what is that thing that you think if i give it up i'll have nothing it is in the laying down of our lives that glory comes he says in john 12 24 that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains but alone let me tell you something my brothers and sisters if you're unwilling to lay down your life if you're unwilling to lay down something something all of us like there is no pathway to greatness and power until you're willing to lay down something something has to leave you sometimes it's money that's leaving you sometimes it's a relationship that's leaving you sometimes it's time that you have to give up sometimes it's a dream that has to be given up sometimes it's um a career that has to be laid down and usually when you look back at the thing you thought you sacrificed and you look at what God has given you, you even laugh and say, Lord, why did I think that was a sacrifice? But at that moment in your life, it was everything to you. And so what are you unwilling to give up? What is the thing that you have held on to that is keeping you away from a life of power, a life of significance? You know, there's a message that Apostle Mose taught. Apostle Mose is my spiritual father and he's the leader of Worship Harvest, the church that I belong to. And Apostle said that he talked about it's if someone called the life-giving power of sacrifice i would encourage you to go and find it go on youtube podbean podcast wherever you go you'll find that the someone is there if you punch in the life-giving power of sacrifice it's a powerful teaching not just one he taught like three sessions on the life-giving power of sacrifice and let me tell you something if you're unwilling to sacrifice something then you're unwilling to live a great life those who refuse to make sacrifices you can't go far. If you think about it, you're a product of someone's sacrifice. For you to be born, your mother had to sacrifice her body, her comfort, her, her life, basically, to have you, your father and mother. The, the, the risk of having a baby, you know, it's a huge risk. So they had you, they nurtured you, they raised you, then they had to give up their money to take you to school. They had to give up their comfort, their holidays, things they could have done for you to be here today. And even you, you had to make sacrifices in school instead of playing your reading so that you can pass exams. For anything that you've achieved, if you think about it, there was a level of sacrifice. And the higher the sacrifice, the greater the power released. Everything is sustained by sacrifice. And we've become a generation that now espouses comfort over sacrifice. We say things like um, self-care, self-love, 
you know, it's all about me. I have to feel good. You know, it, it sounds nice and cute, but if you go a little deeper, it is a life that is that is pulling you down, that is insisting that you settle. For you to rise higher, you have to be willing to give up something. Let me tell you that. That's why Jesus invites his, his, his disciples to a life of, of giving up. He says, if you're going to be my disciple, you must be willing <laughs> to first of all, give up your life, then you pick up your cross and follow me daily. Every day, he said, I invite you to make a sacrifice every day because the cross is a place of sacrifice. He's saying, lay down your life and then sacrifice every day. Today, what have you sacrificed? Maybe there are things you, if you're going to pray, you're going to sacrifice some sleep to wake up and pray. If you're going to love someone, you're going to sacrifice something. Maybe it's time or your opinion or winning or I don't know, or money, something. You're always giving up something to go higher. Whatever it is, there is a sacrifice you're going to make. Many people are unwilling to make sacrifices, but they also want the benefit. You, it can't work for you to get an item. You give up money to get the item. There's an exchange of value. And so sacrifice is an exchange of value. You're not giving up something for nothing. You're giving up something to pick up something of greater value. Jesus invites his disciples and says, you must give up your entire life. Give up your family, give up your dreams, give up the things you thought you would be, and then follow me every day. You follow me to where I tell you to go. And many people are unwilling to enter the unknown because sacrifice usually requires you to give up something in hope that you'll get something. Like when you give up in marriage, when you give up your freedoms as we know them and choose to attach yourself to another person for the rest of your life, it's in hope because there's no guarantee that it's going to work, that this person won't turn around and be a monster. There's no guarantee, it is, but it's in that sacrifice that you start to walk a journey that you would never walk without the sacrifice. And that's why the cohabiting spirit is a very dangerous spirit, it's demonic, where people don't want to make the sacrifice, but they want the commitment at the same time. It's not of God, there's no honor in it. So sacrifice, and you know today, interestingly, it's not that I'm talking about sacrifice, but the thing I'm going to talk about has a little bit to do with sacrifice. There's a statement that, I, that Apostle Mose has been making lately, a lot. And I believe it now with all my heart. He's made it for about a year or two. And now it has like attached itself to my spirit. And I want you to, to I, I may not say it word for word, but what I understand by it is this. The longer you remain in anything, anything, relationships, uh, workplaces, in salvation, the more radical you must become. The longer you stay in salvation, the more radical you must become. Do you know why? Because the longer you stay in something, you get familiar with it. You stop seeing its value, even in marriage. You stop seeing its value, even in business. The people who end up settling are those who have stopped being radical. Because in the beginning, the thing that brings you to a place of life is you become radical. You get born again, you start serving in church, going on evangelism, doing what the pastor says. You say, what is tithe? 10% of all income, I'm going to do it. Then the longer you stay, you start to rationalize. You feel like you know what salvation is. You say, that one I'll do, that one I won't do, that one. And then you start diminishing. If you think of all the people who have become great, the ones whose names we know, they are radical. They never stop. They're always unreasonable. When you listen to them, they sound, but it's because they are believing what the scriptures say. Because guys, if you look at the scriptures, they are unreasonable. God is against reason. God is not congruent with reason. If you're going to be a reasonable Christian, you're not, you can't be a Christian. Like I can't explain it. Recently, we celebrated Uganda Matters Day. And you know, I went to that place recently and 
the story was told of these teenagers who were willing to die. They whipped them and dragged them on their backs full of blood on the roads for miles and miles. Teenagers. And they refused to denounce God. They made them watch their friends being cut limb by limb. Once you watch that, they refused to give up their salvation. They eventually started to burn them and they would burn someone and make you watch so that as you watch and you see the horror of it, you give it up. Teenagers, some of them were 12 years old, 14. I asked myself, am I even serious? What would make these kids give up their lives? What are they seeing in God? The Christians that we are today, these people are celebrated all over the world for the rest of their lives, all over the world. And it's their blood that purchased our own salvation here in Uganda. It was Jesus, of course, that purchased our salvation. But you know what I mean? That because of their blood, you know, it cried out. And here we are today experiencing continuous revivals. But teenagers died. How? What are you willing? If you're not even willing to tithe, of course, you can't be willing to die for the cross. Do you understand? Like, like the small things, if you're not willing to wait for marriage because God says so. Do you really think, are we the generation that would give up our lives for the gospel? Because the power of God is manifested in the place of sacrifice. The power of God is in the cross. The cross is a place of sacrifice. The life-giving power of sacrifice. And today I'm, I'm talking about getting radical with our giving. I know, and giving is actually sacrifice. Because something leaves you when you give. Whether you give money, or you give a house, or you give clothes, or you give... I'm talking about things of value. I'm talking about Paul say I'm generous with my time. Please leave us alone, okay? Radical, otherwise you're slowly decaying. Let me tell you, if you're not becoming radical, you're decaying. The thing about food is this. If you went and got a bowl of beans and cooked it, very nice food, very yummy beans. I cook very yummy beans. I like beans. And then you left them to themselves for two days. When you come back, what are you going to find? You find them making some sounds and smelling so bad. And if you eat that stuff, it will make your tummy you really hurt. But they were okay two days ago. Now, if you want to preserve those beans without even having a refrigerator, you just keep applying heat. You warm them every day. Put them in the heat, they boil, you, you take them off. Put them over the heat, they boil. You can preserve beans for a while just by cooking them. Why? Heat has a way of preserving. Even in our lives, if you're in an environment where there is no heat, you're not be, your life is not being preserved. Let me tell you, if you are a person who right now there is no amount of sacrifice you're making or you are anti-sacrifice, you are decaying. And the things of, of decay is that it's a matter of time. When the, by the time you realize that the thing is dead, it's too late. It doesn't show up like this. It comes over time. You used to give, you stop reducing your giving. You used to serve, you stop serving God. You used to make disciples, you stop doing that. You used to be faithful. You, st you start hanging out with a weird crowd. You start drinking some drinks you shouldn't be drinking. Alcohol is demonic. I don't care how you look at it. Solomon says, it is not for kings to drink wine. Wine is for the, the ones who are, the are bitter-hearted of spirit. Because alcohol doesn't come alone. It comes with other demons. It, it starts like that slowly. You start having strange company. You start coming to church once a month. You start finding God's things a bit irritating. You start saying that's not very realistic. You know, something, you start to, to go backwards. Let me tell you guys, you will not become great by accident. It's time for us to get radical with our faith. People should know you're born again. They, if they're not telling you you're unreasonable, you're not yet radical. You need to be unreasonable. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. People who tithe their wedding contributions, those are people of faith. 
because they are like it's increase we didn't have this money before so we are tithing it you know as in you have to be unreasonable you cannot get into reason and expect to get into faith. Faith is, the Bible says that just shall live by faith. We are people of faith. We cannot live by the principles of the world. We must be against what the world says. Everything we do should be in opposition because our lives should be in opposition to the lives of the world. May God help me because my teaching today, I might do it in two parts. And, to, and since last week, the thing that has been on my heart, God has been showing me the power of generosity. Because generosity is one of the ways of sacrifice. That's why many of the times when God talks about giving, he calls it a sacrifice. I actually wonder what the, what the dictionary defines the word sacrifice as. Let's go there and see what it says. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. An act of slaughtering an animal or a person or surrendering a possession as an offering to a deity. To sacrifice is to surrender a possession or an offering. To surrender. You give it up, meaning you had it before. You can't sacrifice what you don't have. There, because there are people who keep telling me, Pastor, when I get money, I'll give. No, 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 no. Don't tell me about the future. Right now, what do you have? People who are like that, people like Kenneth Copeland, the man of God, one time he had nothing to give. When the offertory bag came along, he broke off the buttons from his shirt and put them in the offering. <laughs> Let me tell you guys, people are radical. You see them, they are flying private jets. You don't know. We want their life, but do we know what has taken them there? For us to say that sacrifice is to offer or kill something as a sacrifice. It is to surrender a possession or an offering to a deity, which is deity, which is like God, to give up something of value for the sake of another. To give up something of value. Have you heard? Even the world knows that the word sacrifice means you give up something of value. Some of us, when you look at the things we are giving God, there's no value. You say, I will, when, when, when it suits me, then I will, I will serve God. That's not a sacrifice. Sacrificing is you give up what you value, something that matters to you. If you say, I'll only tithe when I have no problems, you're not making a sacrifice. First of all, tithe is not even a sacrifice. Tithe is returning what belongs to God. Because tithe is to recognize that everything I have is God's. He has given it to me. And I'm giving back to him what he has said is his. The 10% belongs to God. And you're not God. So tithe is just a test of faithfulness. It's not even about, you're not being generous with God. You're just not being a thief. So there are many Christians who are thieves. And they are going to God asking for more. Would you trust a thief with more? Would you give them more of your stuff? God loves you, but, you know, you're not faithful. And I keep asking people, how many times is it okay for a man to cheat on his wife? Because that's the thing we understand by faithfulness. If you say, he's faithful, he has only cheated ten times. But for us, we say, ah, God knows, God will understand. No, you don't fear God. You don't know the God you serve. We have created God as some, I don't know, other image in our minds. But let's get back to the thing that generosity is a form of sacrifice and it's one of the keys <laughs> that is going to change your life as a believer forever it's one of the marks of children of god because god so loved the world that he gave if indeed we carry the nature of god we must give and it's one of the things that are found in the church to be lacking there are people who have another faith they are building houses of worship families get together and say i am going to build the house of god if you look at most churches they are building one church for 20 years because the christians will not give 
They want to come and consume from the priests. They want to consume from the pastors, but they are so terrible at generosity. So God's house is in shambles. God's house is in shame. You move around and you find that it is the church of Jesus Christ that is in cardboard boxes. That's where the church lives. The pastors are poor. The congregants are looking at the pastor. They're even unhappy when their pastors prosper because we are a mean lot and we are trusting God for graces which come by the key of generosity. Listen to me. Different rooms in your house are opened by different keys. The key that opens your front door doesn't open your bedroom. The key that opens your bedroom doesn't open the kitchen. The key that opens your kitchen doesn't open the store. You have different keys to different rooms. That's the same thing in God. There are different keys in the kingdom that open different doors in the kingdom. There are doors in the kingdom you will never enter until you become generous. Because there are doors in the kingdom that are only opened by generosity only opened by generosity and let me tell you generosity is the lowest level of faith because it's just getting something and releasing it like guys it's easier to give than to pray let's be honest getting money from your pocket and waking up in the morning to pray what's easier it's getting money like in terms of if we are being practical money is in my pocket i've got it out i've given it to someone but learning how to pray learning how to sustain yourself an hour in prayer learning how to sustain yourself two three hours in prayer that's a harder task fasting is harder than giving Giving up food is harder than giving money. Giving up, waiting till marriage is harder than generosity. Like guys, generosity is a key that opens so many doors and it's the easiest level of trust. If you can't give, what, what can you be trusted with in the kingdom? Today I'm praying that as you hear this word, you'll be released into a, a, a level of giving that is going to open you up into graces you have never seen before. Because generosity is a key that opens too much in the kingdom, too, too much. It's a key that has worked in my life. <laughs> like for me, if there's a thing you can't touch, it's generosity. Because I have seen it work since I was young. I have seen the proofs of it. And so every time God prompts you to give, it's for your own good more than the receiver. That one I want you to see, and I'm going to show you the scriptures for it. It's more blessed for you to give than to receive. Many times when people are giving to the work of God, especially, or, and today that's the one I'm talking about the most, giving to God's work, giving to, giving generally. Because when you're a giver, you're a giver. Whether it's at church, at home, you become a giver. It's who you are. But every time I find that people think that when you're making a sacrifice, you're, you're helping the other person. No, it's helping you. When something leaves you, you grow. When something leaves you, power comes over you. It's for your own benefit. Like the more you give, the more powerful you become. Because when you give, you're releasing a seed in the supernatural that goes to bring forth, it must bring forth a harvest. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. He says that when you give, your gift goes and, and brings grace to be multiplied to you. Grace being divine enablement. Every time money leaves you or treasure leaves you of some sort, let me tell you something. You are releasing a seed that must, by the word of God, bring back grace. A multiplicity of grace. A multiplicity of grace. Like It's like a provocation in the realm of the spirit that he makes grace to abound in abundance towards you. That you have sufficiency in all things and you have an abundance for every good work. Show me a generous person and I'll show you a person who in their life there are many graces working. Not only in finances. They are great. You can't explain their life. It's like their life is good generally because they have released a thing. You see money is an expression of value. When you release money, you've released your hours of hard work. 
You've released your hours of sweat. You've released your dreams sometimes because sometimes that money is attached to a dream you are hoping to save for. You've released, it's like, it's like giving up a part of yourself. Because money, if you, if you don't own it, it owns you. It becomes your value, becomes attached to money. But releasing money is basically releasing value. And they've told us that sacrifice is when you give up something of value. If I asked you yesterday was Sunday, the thing you put in the bag, was it of value? Or you looked in and said, what doesn't cost me much? And I'll show you what God says about that in the scriptures. Maybe that's where we should begin. Because listen, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And generosity is always a setup for your increase and promotion. Generosity is a form of sacrifice. Something leaves you. And maybe that's what we are going to talk about this month of June, the life-giving power of sacrifice, different areas of sacrifice. Today we'll talk about generosity. We'll then talk about serving. We'll then talk about all those other things. God will show us the way. But that's what is coming to my spirit, that let's talk about the life-giving power of sacrifice. And today we're talking about generosity as a form of sacrifice. Generosity as a form of sacrifice and how it will promote you and change your life. Let me begin where I thought I would end. Malachi 1. These are the words of God, right, to his servants. Malachi chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. Malachi 1. <laughs> ah, where do we start? Let's start at verse 6. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, because you call him heavenly father, he's asking you. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Remember, we are all priests and kings unto our God. So he's not talking to the pastors. He's talking to all of you and me. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? <laughs> you offer defiled food on my altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. Something that's contemptible is something that lacks value, that you don't respect, you don't honor. And he says, then he tells you how in verse 8, And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he be, accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to you while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Eh. And he goes on and on and on and says, you know what? I have no pleasure in you. Nor will I accept an offering from your hands. You know, God has a right not to accept your offering. We have an example in Cain and Abel. The Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering. And the offering of Abel was by faith. He offered a more acceptable offering to God. It's a sign of faith to give. And so God is not under an obligation to accept all our offerings. But he's saying basically, our generosity to God is a sign. It shows you how much you honor him or dishonor him. In your heart, you, no, 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 no. Me, I honor God. Where is the proof? Where is the proof? Yeah, where is the proof that you honor God? Where? It is seen. One of the ways God sees the proof of our honor of him is in our sacrifice of our offerings to him. On Sunday, do you prepare an offering? I used to give offering. Tithe, I have not struggled. Since they told me about it when I was 13, I've not struggled with tithe. Offering, I would give offering, but for me, offering was whatever I have available. I genuinely would not prepare an offering. I would 
give it as and when it comes. But I've come to understand that actually that true test of your faith and your generosity to God is in the offering, not the tithe. Because tithe is faithfulness. You're not a thief. Offering is now my willingness. Like, God, I'm not returning what is yours. I now want to love on you. And to start preparing the day before. You go to church pre-prepared. You have your offering ready and you're giving God what's my best. To set a minimum. He's saying, you bring me the lamb. You look for the knot in the bag that is most ramshackle. The one disturbed you and you throw it in there. He's like, if you gave that gift to your governor, would they be pleased? Would they look at you favorably? The, the gifts we give to God. Those of you who are part of churches that have building projects, you've never participated because you think for you, you're exempted because you're poor. But So you see yourself that way. How do you think you're going to go to the next level? God wants you to be faithful where you are now. A sacrifice can only be of what you have now. You cannot sacrifice from what you do not have. You sacrifice from what you have. Because many of us are willing to make sacrifices for clothes, for toys, for cars, for phones. We will be willing to take loans, what, and all this stuff. But when it comes to the work of God, we have a reason. Because truly in our hearts, if we're going to train ourselves to honor God and be able to hear his instruction, it begins by honoring him with our sacrifice. Hey, today, it's a good message. Let me show you. So basically, generosity is a sign of sonship and honor. According to the scripture we've read in Malachi, it says, if I am a father, where is my honor? I want you the next time you're giving an offering to God on Sunday, next Sunday when you go to church, prepare it beforehand and imagine when you're putting it in the basket that you're handing it over to the hands of God. That's it. That's how I always see it. When I'm putting that thing in the basket for me, it's Father brought my gift. It's not in a wrapping, it's not in a gift box, but this is my gift to you this week. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for all you do for me. I honor you. So there's a bare minimum below which I can't go. And the thing I've learned about God is when you make up your mind, the money always comes to you. Sacrifice is something of value that leaves you and it's something you have now. You can't sacrifice from your friend's sheep. It's not a sacrifice. It has to be from among your own. It's never too small. You have to look at what you have and say, what's the best I can give from what I have now? Then God will promote you and, and will come to that. Today I have many things to say. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I want to tell you about seven. Yeah, seven things eh, about generosity. So that I don't know what to call them. But first of all, that generosity is a sign of sonship. Sons give gifts to their fathers. And it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of sonship and honor. Sons give. So if you're a child of God, you should be giving to him. But let me show you some stories because I feel like if I go on the other things, you might struggle a bit. But, you know, it might be like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Let's first look at some benefits. Actually, benefits of generosity. So generosity will sustain you. Let's look at a story in First Kings. I don't know if I'll go beyond it because... Eh? <laughs> ah, this story always gets me. First Kings chapter 7. It's one of my... Is it chapter 7 or chapter 17? I think it's chapter 17. First Kings 17. Guys, I don't know if we will go beyond today. So, this is Elijah, right? We'll start from, we'll start from, but if I go here, I'll get stuck. I'll start another someone. So let's start from verse 8. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded the widow there to provide for you. What a shock. God comes to a widow to provide for the man of God. Some of you think that if God wants to take care of your pastor, he goes to the wealthy person in the congregation. <laughs> so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed the widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives. I do not have bread. This is what some of you do. God tells you, give me that money. Say, I don't have. Because what you have to you is nothing. That's what she said. She had some bread. She said, I don't have. Only a handful of fly in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks. That I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. That we may eat it and die. What a plan. Lord, this is my last money. Lord, if I'm, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to die. Many of you think that the people who give sacrificially in church are people who have so much. No, they have so much because they give. Yes, they have so much because they give. They don't give because they have so much. You don't give because you have. You have because you give. That's the way it works. The reason you have money is because you're a giver. The more you give, the more you have. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. That's the first thing I want to say to you. If you're going to be a giver, you must get rid of fear. Fear will never allow you to give. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a, a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make for yourself and your son. You know, if you met this man of God in our generation right now, we'd be writing on him on Facebook, Instagram, horrible man of God who goes around eating the widow's last meals. If you brought your friend to church who has just lost her husband, is on her last everything, the children are not able to go to school, they've chased them from the house, and they came to your pastor who has money. And the pastor said, do you have any money on you? And they say, yes, I have my last, I don't know, little money left on me. Um, I don't even know if we'll, it's not even enough for food for tomorrow. And the pastor says, give it to me as an offering and I pray for you. What would you think of that pastor? You'd say they are evil. Evil. How can they take the little that the woman has left? But it's because that person, they, they, they understand that it's from that woman's generosity that the breakthrough will come. This is not a thing that you do always. But sometimes God is going to ask you to take from a person the little they have left so that they can actually be great. The man of God, Kenneth Hagin, says that one time God appeared to him and told him, you have robbed my people. You have robbed my people because you've refused them to give an offering. Eh? Because it's in their offering that they progress, that God sustains them. That's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 11:25, that the generous soul shall be made rich and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 11:25. The generous soul is the one that is made rich, not the poor one who is given. That's the problem of Africa. People come and keep giving to us. We must become givers now. We must be the ones who are giving. That's the, the secret of Worship Harvest Ministries. Since we were small, we've always been a giving ministry. We give to other ministries 10% of all our income every week. From when we had nothing, we didn't have enough to pay rent. We couldn't raise $10 a week to pay rent, but we were always giving the little we had, 10% of it, to other ministries. The secret is in your generosity for your sustenance, not from hoarding and getting more. <laughs> this woman, God basically sent Elijah to this widow, saying that the widow will sustain him. But actually, God was trying to save the life of this widow by sending a man of God for her to be generous to. This thing is... If you're not a spiritual person, this thing sounds so off me. When I read it, I was like, eh, this is a scandal. 
says, do not fear. Generosity and fear don't go hand in hand. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flesh shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went her way and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of God which he spoke by Elijah. Your sustenance comes from your generosity, not your tears. God will sustain you by generosity if you're willing to make a sacrifice. Your sustenance comes by generosity. Generosity will release you into, because you, the thing you're holding on can't even sustain you. So give it away as a seed. Why are you holding on to what can't sustain you? What, is with, what are you so scared of that won't let you be generous with God? He told her according to the word of the Lord. The bin shall not be used up. The jar of oil will not run dry until the, Lord, the, the day the Lord sends rain again on the earth. This woman never ran out because she gave up what was what she called her last meal. And the prophet told her, I first eat, then you guys eat. It sounds so spiritual things, especially when God is asking you to give. And it sounds so wrong because when you look at your circumstances, it's like, what am I doing? God, it's, generosity is never for the one you're giving. Generosity is always for the giver. It is to sustain the giver. It's to increase the giver. It's, it's for the giver. Generosity benefits the giver more than the receiver. Because what did Elijah benefit? God could have used another person to sustain him. But he chose the widow so that the widow would be sustained. So that the widow would be sustained. So that the widow would be sustained. On top of this, now it happened, verse 17, after these things, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And that his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. In other words, he died. So she said to Elijah, what have I done with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his own bed, carried out the, what, the, cried out to the Lord. Basically, at the end of that day, the boy was raised from the dead. God brought the prophet into the house of this woman. And set her up to be generous so that he would sustain her and even bring miraculous power into her home. This one, I have too many scriptures about the miraculous power of generosity. This is one of them. That if, now, a miracle was performed. When you look at the life of Lazarus, the Bible says of Mary that this was the one who gave Jesus the best gift. The one who gave a year's worth, poured precious ointment on his feet. When Jesus was going to perform the greatest miracle of his ministry, raising a man who had been dead four days and buried, he went to the home of the one who had given the greatest gift. And it's spoken of in the Bible. Miraculous power is made availed through generosity. Your generosity does not, it's not for the one you're giving. It's not for God. God doesn't need my money. He needs to perform certain miracles in my life and your life. And generosity is one of the keys to miraculous power. I don't know what I'm going to do today. We are not going to be able to finish. I feel like that alone is enough for you to go and meditate on. Because the same story is to the woman, the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. This woman decides to be generous to the man of God, Elisha. She wasn't asking for anything. She just became generous, created a room for him, in her roof sustained him. Then the man at some point said, what does this woman, what do you want? Said, I don't want anything. Then he tells her, I've noticed you don't have a son. You're going to have a child said, I don't, please, please, man of God, don't, don't say such things. I have been barren all these years. Miraculous power was made available to her. She had a child. Eventually, the boy died. Do you know who raised the boy back? The man of God. 
Generosity will bring power in your life. Miracles. Signs and wonders. Things that you cannot even explain. Some of them you won't be able to tie and say it was my gift that gave it. But let me tell you, when you're releasing money to God, to his house, to his work, to his servants, to whoever, to your father and mother, honor your father and mother because generosity releases the power to live long and live well. Let me tell you something, guys. If you can understand the power of generosity, you'll be the most generous person you know. You'll be fighting to pay bills. You'll be fighting to give to church. You'll be, you will be so faithful with generosity because it releases life-giving power. Today, I'm going to stop there because the other things I'm going to get into, we're going to do them next week. Next week, I'm going to show you how generosity promotes. I'm going to show you how generosity introduces you to God in heaven. I'm going to show you how generosity is a test of your faithfulness. And by being generous with money, God will be able to trust you with much more. It's a test. And so I want you to make a decision today that you're going to be generous. First of all, with God, become a regular tither of all your income, all of it. Do not eat the tithe. And then secondly, carry an offering every time you go to the house of God and let it be your best, not the lame, the blind, the sick, the maimed. No. And then be generous. Be generous with God's people. Be generous with God's servants. Be generous with your father and mother. It is an invitation. It is, it is to your advantage that you're generous. Because many of us think giving is manipulation. Listen, you, you manipulate me to greatness. I don't mind. Thankfully, I'm not your pastor, so you won't think I'm trying to get your money from you. But I'm telling you, that when you choose to be generous, me, I'm generous. So I, I really, that one, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And I've seen the hand of God. Even in the church that I lead, I'm among the most generous people in that church. Those people can't accuse me of anything. Okay? But it's because I've seen the life-giving power of generosity. You live like a king when you're generous. And I want to invite you into the same. Because today the thing we've talked about is that generosity is a test of faithfulness. It's a sign of sonship and honor of God, and it will sustain you and produce miracles in your life. It is for you, not for them. Generosity changes the giver, not the receiver. Yes, it changes the receiver, but it's more power to the giver than the receiver. What a blessing. What a word today. I have made it short because I want you to meditate on it. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. Next week, I'm going to get into the other, the other, what are they, what is, what do we call them? Benefits of generosity or the power, the life-giving power of generosity. And so I want you to be a generous person. Every opportunity to give, participate because you're releasing a provocation in the realm of the spirit for grace to be multiplied to you. Grace for the miraculous. Grace for signs and wonders, for sustenance. Don't hold on to money. And remember, God is asking you to be generous with what you have, not what you will one day have. If you're not generous with what you have now, you will not be generous with what you have then because you've trained yourself against generosity. Generosity releases power into your life. It releases the grace of God into your life. It is a powerful key in the kingdom of God. It's one of the three greatest keys in the kingdom of God that has been practiced through all the ages. When you look at people like Abraham, you look at people like, like David, like Solomon, like all these people, they were always extremely generous with God. And if you look at people whose lives you admire, they are extremely generous with God and with others. And you're going to be among them because that's not for a chosen few. It's for the church of Jesus Christ to which you belong. Listen, if you're listening to me and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I, I want to give you the opportunity that's going to change your life. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants to give you life in all its fullness. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus right now. You just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which means that you will obey him and do whatever he says, whether it makes sense or not, and that you'll trust him with your life. And so I want you to pray this prayer after me. 
Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Write my name in the book of life and give me a new beginning. Give me your Holy Spirit and teach me to serve you the rest of my life. Today, I am born again. I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you were born again. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome, welcome. I'd like you to please send us a message on this number. 0775-642449. That is plus 256-775-642449. Send us a message and tell us that you've received Jesus on Faith Boosters. We want to pray with you, connect you to a loving family and walk this journey with you. Remember, there is power in sacrifice. It's time to get radical and you are going to be the most generous person you know with what you have now. Something has to leave you and when something leaves you, you become powerful. Generosity will sustain you. Generosity will change you. Generosity will introduce miracles into your life. Generosity will provoke grace into your life and you will see your life changing through generosity. You must know yourself as the most generous person you know. Go and do something about this word. If you had eaten the tithe, find it and pay it. This month has just begun. And say from today, every money I get, for me, I always have an envelope on me. I put the 10% immediately away from me so that I'm not tempted because that God must eat first before I can eat. And I've seen the grace of God. And then prepare your offering every Sunday when you go to church and it should be an offering that you imagine presenting to the King of Kings, something you're proud of. And let's see what God will do. I know there'll be lots of testimonies. You're loved, you're blessed, you're highly favored. I'll see you again next week, same place, same time. Bye.